I'm Ben Eisenstein, and this is the Campus Retail. Purdue Boiler Black, McNeese Bayou Tech, New Mexico Lobo Red Ale, New Mexico State Pistol Pete's 1888 Ale, Montana Grizz Mountain Lager, Montana State Golden Bobcat Pale Ale, Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns Genuine Louisiana Ale, Tulane Green Wave Beer, Colorado State Old Aggie Superior Lager. Well, a handful of universities across the country are partnering with local craft brands on officially licensed beers. Sounds pretty cool, right? Sounds good for your campus, right? Not so fast. As you can imagine, collaborations like these are going to need the buy-in of campus decision makers at the highest levels, and some are going to be more open to the idea than others. Mateo Rashaki of Meadville PA's Voodoo Brewery has discovered this firsthand. Voodoo launched an IPA not long ago to salute the University of Pittsburgh Panthers. Their brewmaster is a grad. And we're quickly hit with a cease and desist letter. Some meetings then happen between the two sides, and it looked like something might be worked out. Alas, the trail soon went cold, and Voodoo found itself on the wrong side of a ghosting. We asked Mateo about his experience with working with campus administrators on licensing and trademarking, and the lessons he learned. He had some interesting things to say. Let's get to it. We've got six pubs now across the state of Pennsylvania, all brick and mortar locations. Uh, we have a mobile food and beer division called the Voodoo Trucks. We have two of those. Um, we do a lot of seasonal events and pop-ups. We have a shipping container pub. We have a air, uh, kiosk uh, pub that's made out of uh, pallets. Um, so lots of just, you know, different things that we're doing at the moment. Um, but that's a pretty decent background on kind of how we got involved in, in the business and ultimately um, taking it over and running it. So um, you you obviously have a lot going on and you've expanded a lot in the past few years. How did the idea come about behind Brewing a Beer associated with University of Pittsburgh? Yeah, so that year that my brother and I bought over that bar in Eatville um, was the year he transitioned from University of San Diego to Pitt University. He took a year off while his you know, credits transferred and he kind of built out a syllabus what he wanted to do and all that. Um, and during that time, you know, he, he you know, did go to school and um, really, really fell in love with, um, you know, the university and its, it's, it's athletics. He, he's, a, he's a big sports guy. So he was like, hey, it's really cool to like do a tribute beer, um, you know, to my alma mater and do this H two H and H, originally we had called it H T P H T P. So hail two pit, but the two wasn't the number two; it was just a T. Right. And we were doing that beer, and we had done it quite a few times. We were we were invited on campus twice to pour that beer. Uh, both at the Peterson Event Center and uh, one other venue. I, I don't remember. Kurt would have to tell me. Um, but we were on campus twice, actually serving that beer. So at that point, we were like, man, like, you know, this single hop Simcoe double, you know, West Coast IPAs. You know, that was a cool thing for him, too. It kind of hybrid his West Coast college experience with his new college experience doing a West Coast IPA. Um, they call it an HTP. So, um, we decided, well, hey, you know, this is taking off. But at that point, we'd only, only done it really in draft. So, like, well, why don't we design some 
some can art, and we'll, we'll do this in cans, and we'll release it. And, you know, we'll keep doing draft and contract it for all this extra Simcoe hops on our hop contract, uh, which you're obligated to buy when you do that. Um, so we're like, cool, let's do this. Um, and, 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 you know, again, part, partially to my fault, my ignorance, you know, I assumed that because we had been invited on campus that we had their blessing, I never formally asked for their permission uh, for a licensing deal or anything like that. We just figured, oh, well, hey, you know, this is a hashtag that the actual, you know, sports fans created themselves. You know, I never even thought to look really interesting whether or not it was a registered trademark or anything like that. Um, But at that point, we decided, well, hey, if we're going to invest in plates and labels and contracting hops, you know, let's let's go with the H2P, which is the actual true hashtag that they use. So we did that, and we put the beer out, and we ha- the beer was only out for maybe an hour or two when we had gotten the uh, email from the legal department from from the university um, asking for us to immediately cease and desist the, the sale of the product. So I'm kind of fascinated by by that part. What, what is it like to get that email? I'm sure it's from you know general counsel uh, or maybe somebody an outside counsel that that Pitt works with. <laughs> but kind of what goes through your mind when you first get that email? Is it kind of scary, or did you did you find some humor in it, or were you just kind of like, okay, what do we do from here? Well, it's, it's obviously quite serious. Um, it can be quite serious. Um, obviously, like we never intended to officially or unofficially in any way affiliate ourselves like with the university. Um, but, um, you know, having the fact that, you know, they see this as an implied partnership, you know, you have to take that with some, some seriousness. I think it, the first thing that came over me was more embarrassment, I would say, um, sure. that we really did. And we, every time we make a beer, we, we check the registered trademark list. We go on Beer Advocate, rate beer, we make sure no one's ever made the beer. Or it was maybe like a one-off taproom thing someplace across the country. Like, otherwise, we don't call a beer something unless we do our research but we never thought to even look at that on the registered trademark docket because like oh it was made it was something made up by the band the freaking hashtag you know but you know that, I think that was, it was more of that and then the next part was well we just invested all this money you know how are we going to recoup our investment and now we have beer and cans that we can't sell so um I called our liquor attorney um in uh Pennsylvania here, uh, Mr. Ted Zeller, and I said, Ted, we got a problem. I, I got a beer with labels on it that I can't sell. He said, you know, can I take these labels off and sell this beer? And he basically said, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the growler rule, right? Like, as long as it's got Voodoo Brewery branding on it, you know, it could be in a to-go vessel, just like a crowler, right? So we basically reverted back to almost like a crowler concept. We had to remove all the labels off all the cans before we sold them and put Voodoo Brewery branding on them uh, by way of like stickers. And uh, so we continue to sell through the product. Um, but our, our customers are pretty upset. They, they first, first people in the store in that first hour were like, man, these are really cool. Love the artwork. Super cool. Collector's item. You know, it's really neat. Um, and then people kept coming in and they're walking out with blank cans. You know, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Uh, so specifically, what did the cease and desist letter and just confirm. So you got the email, but there was never some like thing where they knocked on your door and fooled you and be like, Oh, is, uh, 
is, is, is Mateo Oshaki there? And then they just threw like a mail package at you or anything like that. Like that. It was all through email. Um, I mean, it was just a very, you know, very kindly worded initial yeah. email. Like, you know, we would like you to, you know, cease the sale of this product. It's an infringement on our license trademark and, implies affiliation and whatever, whatever. I don't remember the exact language, but it was worded very politely and nicely. It just said basically, you don't, don't sell the beer the way you're selling it because it's you can't do that. Um, so that's when I responded immediately. Yes, we removed all the labels, and you know I would love to have a follow up conversation after this weekend to establish a way forward. And we had um, a, a pretty thorough conversation back and forth initially. Um, so much to the fact that if we had discussed possibly doing a licensing deal, um, we actually had the uh, director of the athletics department and some other individual. Um, there's other articles that we that have been out about this where I have their names referenced specifically. I don't recall anymore, but um, they actually came to the brewery and we met and we sat down and we had lunch and we discussed the beer and the plans for it. Hey, we'd love to donate, you know, a portion of the proceeds of this product back to Pitt Athletics. We have to pay for a licensing deal. Um, apparently, that was going back to the university for legal to kind of write it up and get it done. And I sent three consecutive unanswered emails back to uh, those individuals in the legal department at Pitt University that never were responded to. So at that point, I kind of read between the lines and I figured, you know. They don't have any interest in doing this, which I'm surprised that they made the trip all the way to Meadville from, you know, from there to do this. But uh, oddly enough, when we had that meeting, we had already had a plan B. You know, hey, if we can't get a licensing deal, like we've got to make this beer. We've already contracted the hops. We've got to do it. Um, that's what Kurt was like. Well, what we should do is just do like uh, the most like generic like comic stand there, like tech, you know, script of they call it, you know non-trademark infringement alma mater IPA and let everybody just, you know, read between the lines. So that was actually, you know, Kurt's idea early on in this process to resolve that issue. So we had a printout of the artwork on the table when we had this meeting. So we already told us, like, hey, like, you know, we don't want you to feel obligated to, to do this product. Like, we already have a plan B. You know, and, and here's what it is. You know, they chuckled and they thought it was funny. Um, but I don't think... Um, I don't think at that time they, they thought, you know, they, they, I think they honestly believed that we'd work something out. Um, but the fact that the unanswered emails, they, they're still unanswered. I never received the response back to any of my emails. So. What were the specifics in the cease and desist? Was it just the hashtag as um, H2P that you could not use, or did it also get into color palette? Well, did it get so in, then there's, yeah. there's a lot of gray area there, too. I, I did speak with my legal department about this, you know. They're saying that the, you know, the colors are not trademarked, and we didn't use the exact colors, but I think they're saying the colors implied, you know, that it was an affiliated product. They did not like the fact that we had the um, uh, the building, uh, what's it, uh, oh, God. Oh, the cathedral. Yes. They didn't like the fact that we had the hand-drawn cathedral. They said that, you know, that that's, uh, uh, trademark image, which we hand drew our own version of it on the can. Our my graphics guy drew that, uh, and you can you can buy photos and drawings of that online on Etsy. Right. You know, so I I don't know. It just seemed very like to me. It was mostly the fact that we had the 
be on there, I think. Um, but just to be safe, the second time around, having to buy new plates for the printer and new labels and everything else, uh, we figured let's just go with colors and leave it at that, make it very generic. So there's no cathedral or no other you know, info on there like that. Do you have any any theories as to how this landed with the university council within an hour or two hours of sort of oh, launching it? I mean, was it yeah, yeah? Was there a fan? It, it, no, yeah, it's all social media. Buddha Brewery has a number of fan leads. Um, the university has a, a, a large number of different social media avenues, and you know, at some point, somebody bought it, tweeted it, and hashtagged it, and you know, it, it was only a, 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 within an hour, you know, that went right to the Pitt, Pitt Athletics uh, Department, and then that obviously made it to legal. So, I mean, that's exactly how it happened. I mean, we're very fortunate to have this amazing social media following, uh, but obviously sometimes that can bite you in the ass again. So, yeah, a little bit of perspective from, from my end, and, you know, our intended audience for this is people that work on campus sort of on the auxiliary and, and business and commercial side of things. I think there's a lot of fear and trepidation when there's when you try something new uh, in a university higher ed environment. And sort of, it's really like any organization, all trails lead up to the top, right? So you might have some buy-in at a certain level, but then that person's boss says, eh, I should probably check with the dean about this, and then, then the dean says, "Well, that sounds cool, but uh, I should probably check with the chancellor about this." About this, and then um, very hard to get on the chancellor's calendar. Then the chancellor says, "Why am I dealing with this? You know, when I could be dealing with so many other things. You know, just not worth the effort." And then suddenly, people just kind of drop it and they stop returning emails. Uh, does that sound like a plausible case scenario for you? Is what happened here? I mean, it's possible, but you know, the last email that I had gotten back and said, "Hey, you know, we're on the second line with this. You know, I've got one more approval, and you know, we'll be in touch." And then, like, to, then to have those consecutive unresponded emails, even if they had just said, "Hey, that that last approval didn't work out so well, sorry," but yeah. just something like at the end of the day, like I'm still holding on to five thousand each two P labels that I can't do anything with. Right. Um. You know. So at the end of the day, like. You know, we, we would not have had to go into production on a new brand, paid for new plates to be made at the printer, bought all new labels. Um, you know, it, it's fine at the end of the day. I mean, we, we, we made the mistake, so I mean, we, we paid for it. But it would have been nice to have a definitive yes or no, or even just a not now or not yet kind of, kind of answer. Um, but no, I mean, I, what you're explaining to me is exactly how I perceive that to go down is, you know, it has to start somewhere, and then it makes its way up the chain of command, and at some point, someone with the authority will, will can, can easily kill a project or an idea. How do you get past uh, the idea of associating alcohol or a beer with a university? Is that just like too high of a mountain uh, to climb in some people's minds, where they just don't want to officially license uh, their likeness or their name with an alcohol and, and all the baggage that goes along with it? Well, I mean, it's a it's a fine line. I mean, you can't watch an NFL or a professional basketball or you know MLB game without seeing beer sponsors in advertisements throughout the arenas, the parks, the commercials. You know, it's 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 it, it, it's ingrained within the sports, right? Right. Um, 
you know, college has always had that fine line because, you know, two-thirds, if not a higher percentage of the college population are not drinking age. You know, so I can completely sympathize with that. But there's also a third to three-quarters of, I'm sorry, a third to a quarter of, you know, the college population that is of drinking age that, you know, whether someone chooses to drink responsibly or not, you know, like that's, that, that's, a, that's perception, right? I mean, everybody's got that, you know, animal house, college depiction of, you know, drinking in, in, in those university years. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate, um, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I run a business just like anybody else who runs a business. My business happens to be in manufacturing of malt fruit beverages. And I have to be very, you know, respectful of the opinions of, you know, spirits and alcohol in general, um, it, where they belong, where they don't belong. So generally speaking, we, we try to be, um, you know, more on the, uh, the patient end of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we've been approached by several, uh, local institutions to do, uh, you know, charities and events and things like that. So it just, it, it, sometimes it's a little odd to see when they want you to be involved, but they don't want you to be involved. And like, to me, that's the confusing part. It's like, there, there's no clear line that's been drawn. And, and again, like you have to forgive me and you have to check the statistics yourself, but if I'm not mistaken, just this past year, there was a regulation passed by one of the major athletic, um, you know, uh, uh, governments, what have you, that basically said that like they are allowed to have alcohol at sporting events, you know, yeah. and like I think that's a big, you know, shift in the written in the thought process. We're going to start to implement some change in how it's perceived. Um, so it could be a step in the right direction there. But just like anything else, I mean, it's got to be regulated and, and, you know, kept out of the hands of minors and uh, not overly imbibed upon and, you know, things like that. I mean, it's got to be treated in the right way. Um, so, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're asking my opinion whether or not I think it belongs. I, 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 I don't know if I can speak to that. I think it, it depends on the institution and, and, and what they're trying to do and, um, you know, as far as people's perception on it, you know, I, I think that's something that you can try as hard as you want to change, but, you know, people are going to have their opinions and they're, they're entitled to them. Um, but, um, so what's the, yeah, what, I, mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I hope that answers your question. It's a really difficult question to answer given my, my line of work. So. No, I, I totally understand. Uh, what's the, what's the lessons learned going forward, both uh, from a business person side and from the university side? I suppose it's, Kind of meet at the very beginning before uh, you start brewing anything, right? And kind of maybe do an agreed upon partnership and sort of sort sort of work from there. Like if I could do it all over again, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I really would have. I, 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 we would have left it alone at the HTP, which they did not have any real issue with. Obviously, just left it at that, ah. um, or. Or, I, or, you know, upon making investments and, 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 and shifting the name to the more uh, legitimate hashtag, you know, definitely double, triple checking on all the registered trademarks. Because if we had found that it was trademarked and we wanted to make that adjustment, of course, I would have reached out to Athletics, who ultimately would have gotten in touch with Legal, and we would have gotten a, a yes or a no, and then we would have had a clear, you know, 
direction at that point. Um, and that's honestly 99.9% of the time how we go about it. We just never really thought to look at a hashtag being a registered trademark. Um, right. We didn't know that that was the university's claim in the first place. You know, they didn't make it up. You know, the fans made it up. So that was just one of those things that was, it was uh, a little bit of a learning curve there, you know. So, so do you have any advice for people? So I have a little bit of a personal interest in this. Um, I'm at UC Riverside, and we have some great citrus groves um, at the university. We grow all types of citrus varieties. And so I would like to see some of that produce um, in collaboration with a local uh, craft brewery and develop a partnership where we can have right. an official a beer that uses some of that famous produce we have and kind of extend the university brand, you know, as far as it will take us and kind of take advantage of this right. wave of interest in craft breweries. So um, do you have any advice as far as people working on the university side and also business people on how to come together and actually make something where everybody feels good about it at the end of the day, uh, even with a few detractors here and there? I mean, so you're asking my advice, I'll give it. I think at the end of the day, you need to get the decision makers to sit down together. Yep. I think that's where a lot of this happens. Like, and then there's a lot of like animosity as a result, right? Like, you get a brewer or somebody talking to like someone from athletics. They've got this killer idea. And they're all amped about it. They can't wait. So then, like, the brewer goes back to their like, you know, COO, and then the COO has got to go to the CEO of the brewery, and then at the end of the day, the athletic guy's got to go to legal, has got to go to Stanford, got to go to you know. At the end of the day, like, I would start from the top because what's going to happen is you're going to get people excited or put effort or work into something or yeah. fiscal, you know, investments into something that won't pan out ultimately anyway. And then that's where like the animosity can kick in. I mean, luckily for us, like that's not the case, but that was my, my advice at the very beginning would be like, get the go ahead or the green light from the decision makers before you do anything. And money talks, right? I mean, you said that you were willing to kick in some royalties or some, a little bit of a portion of sales back to, the university or the, or the athletics? I mean, that seems like a yeah, pretty important component, our, too. that was always our idea. It's like, good and brewing, like, as a, as a company, uh, every time we go off-site or we do a one-off or something, and it's, it's, it's at an event or at an at a off-site event, we, we always made at least a dollar of every beer sold or a portion of proceeds to a nonprofit or some fundraiser or something like that. So it was always in our, in our you know, concept to donate a portion of our proceeds from that brand back to Pitt Athletics. That was always the plan. Um, and uh, so that was, you know, we had that on the table. And then on top of that, if there needed to be like a licensing deal or something, you know, that, that would have happened as well. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that would be a great way for you guys to have a more official partnership, absolutely. Okay, so how about that? So, you ready to do that beer collaboration thing you've been thinking of? Or are you just going to say, forget it? No! Don't do that. Don't be discouraged. Just some planning, some partnership at the outset. That's all it takes. Get buy-in from the word go. That's the lesson here. Good luck. Thanks to Mateo from Voodoo Brewery. Look them up next time you're in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, and try that non-trademark infringement alma mater IPA. I will warn you though, 8.6 ABV on that, 8.6. That might be a lift occasion, my friends. All right, you with me? Till next, I'm Ben in Coyote Canyon. Yeah.